I think learning how to deal with some of those insecurities that we had, we started to like build up these defense mechanisms and these armors, which has worked out really well for us, except for when now we're supposed to be on video showcasing our authentic selves. And we don't even know who our authentic self is anymore. We have to slowly start taking some of that armor off piece by piece to really get down to who we really are and to really showcase ourselves in front of the camera. And this is You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. I'm Jason Youth. Thank you so much for listening to us. We have a really fun episode today. We're not talking about anything boring. Rory, we're not talking about law. I know it's in the title, but that's kind of a boring thing, right? Uh, you know, we're not talking about financing. We're talking about marketing. We're talking about social media. We're talking about energy and videos and lots of great stuff. We have an awesome content creator right here who specializes in social media and brand building and just kind of having an awesome presence online. This is Laura Stewart, who we're going to introduce in a second. And Laura Stewart is from the ground up media. FTGU, what were you calling it? Fitagoo. Fitagoo. I knew I was going to screw that up. So you'll have to tell us the origin of that name as well. Welcome Rory Gill, also our co-host uh, with Urban Village Legal and Next Home Title Town Real Estate in Boston. Hey, Jason. So in for all of our listeners out there who are real estate agents, particularly if you're not driving, uh, you might want to break out a note, notepad and take a couple of notes here because we're going to go through a lot of good ideas and tips on how you can put together good, compelling content for your client base. And, you know, I should say with uh, with Laura, Laura is actually, it's almost like a part two kind of, because, you know, a couple episodes ago, we spoke with a dynamic guest, Jazz Takar from Toronto. And Laura, you guys are business partners in From the Ground Up Media. You also are vice president in his real estate company. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about this relationship and how we were so lucky to have the two of you on our podcast. Oh my gosh, I, I already feel a disadvantage to be the follow-up to Jazz because he brings all the energy and uh, he's obviously inspired me in my life in many ways and hopefully a lot of your listeners and viewers as well. I started with Jazz eight years ago. I was a brand new real estate agent and I wanted to join a team. I thought, well, if I'm going to join a team, I may as well be one of the top teams in, in the country and we happen to have a, a number of those teams here in Toronto. Quite frankly, he was not my first choice. I've let him know this, but he's so damn good at sales that he sold me in the seat when I came to meet with him. Uh, And now we've been together, uh, like you said, me as his VP of his team, which has 54 agents on it. I'm VP of that company. And then just about 16 months ago, we decided to be crazy and open up a media company. We're really helping real estate agents and small business owners create content so they can do more business, really. Laura, I think you have to change the story a little bit because I like to see jazz as the opening act and you're the main event, right? <laughs> yes. So I'm like the rolling stone. <laughs> and he opened for the stones. Uh, stones just yeah. came through here. Did they just come through Toronto recently? Yeah, yeah. They're always they're always here. They actually are like have a love affair with Toronto. So we get them a lot. It's great. Yes, you're definitely the main event right here. So make sure you let him know that. And I do want to point out your your TikTok page. You have a really great bio. Selling real estate, running a media company, and fashionably doing it all. Where'd that come well, from? I try to be fashionable. Some days better than others, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I think when it comes to your profiles, a lot of people will put 
the more serious things that they are. And to me, that's real estate space. That is an opportunity for you to grab people's attention the best way possible. And saying just real estate agent doesn't really say a lot about me. In Toronto specifically, there's 77, 76,000 real estate agents on the board. There's a lot of us and people are quite sick of us, I think, in all honesty. So you need to find a way to distinguish yourself from the crowd. And so I like to always just give something that is a passion of mine, which is fashion. I don't know if you guys are going to take me down my career path, but I did work in that fashion industry for like two years. You know, you never let go of those old experiences. I I love the creativity side of it. And I still use it in my day-to-day life because I get dressed every single day and uh, I like putting together an outfit. So I figured, why don't I draw people in through through my TikTok profiles and let people know really who I am at the core? So I think we're already starting off with a set of good advice for um, real estate professionals out there, and that is to make sure that you have a good, compelling profile, shows yourself in authentic ways. So kind of just breaking it down into, you know, and spoon feeding the agents listening to this, um, what are some of the things that those agents can do to liven up their profiles? Like this is important real estate, so let's not put anything on there that's not important. Obviously, you probably do want to let people know you are in real estate. Maybe you want to include where you are a real estate agent. I actually don't have that, but that's because I'm trying to attract real estate agents on a more national level um, for our media services. But you specifically, if you work an area, make sure that you say that because people start searching for real estate agents in a particular area. So make sure you put the neighborhood, the city, whatever it is on there. And then I always think it's good to put just something fun. Like maybe you're an average avid churchgoer. Maybe you're a dog lover. Maybe you love skydiving and you go six times a year. Like something that really lets me know kind of who you are a little bit more without you just being a real estate agent. Yeah. Having that authenticity and, you know, some element of your life that people can just grab onto that makes you more than a talking head and a screen and a Zoom box like we all are these days, you know, because of the pandemic, that's got to be critical. And, you know, when you think about these small screens that everyone's looking at, you know, we're staring at vertical videos all day long on our phones. Some people are just, you know, dying for attention. You know, I think people can see through the filter of who the authentic folks are and who are the ones that are just kind of doing it for the camera. I don't know. What do you think, Laura? Like, what do you recommend to your clients uh, or, or even friends of yours or just colleagues? Like, how do you recommend that they show their authentic self? Yeah, Jason, that's such a good point because I think it can be very hard for a lot of people. I mean, think about it. We've spent pretty much since high school onward building up all of our armor. High school was a hard time for everybody, no matter like where you were on the pecking order. And I think learning how to deal with some of those insecurities that we had, we started to like build up these defense mechanisms and these armors, which has worked out really well for us, except for when now we're supposed to be on video showcasing our authentic selves and we don't even know who our authentic self is anymore. We have to slowly start taking some of that armor off piece by piece to really get down to who we really are and to really showcase ourselves in front of the camera. And this doesn't happen overnight. This takes time. The first time I was told I was going to be on camera, we were going to have a gentleman named Scott McGilvery uh, on the podcast and he's a big HGTV guy. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to look a certain way. So I went out, I got hair extensions, I got my eyelash extensions, like I got the full lines, did my makeup, all of that, just for a one hour shoot. And then it was kind of over. And here's the thing, no one video is going to make or break you. No one video is going to really make you famous. It doesn't really work like that for 
the far majority of us. And so to put that kind of effort into A, how you look, but B, a lot of people also try to come scripted to think. They try to write down all the answers and write down all the questions as opposed to just coming and being curious and learning from each other, like what we're doing today. And so I think if you can slowly start to take off some of that armor and understand like, hey, if you don't look that great that day, maybe you're a little shiny, maybe you still get zits in your 30, which I do, it's okay. You know what I mean? I am human. And the more that I started just accepting it and putting like piece by piece out there, the better the feedback was. In all honesty, people started saying, wow, like you're so authentic and you're showing your real self and I can really relate to you. It's when us as real estate agents, I think when we put on the suit and we pretend to have it all together and we want it all scripted and perfect and airbrushed and all that is when people can't really relate to us because no one looks like that. And no one really acts like that. And I always say, guys, you're going to be sitting down with these clients eventually anyway. So they're going to see what you look like. So if you airbrush yourself out or if you come dressed to the nines and then you never actually dress like that in real life, people are going to see you. And now they're going to think you're a liar. And to be honest, most people think real estate agents are liars anyway. So you're not doing yourself any, any good by continuing to lie to these people. So I just say slowly but surely, Work at getting yourself out there. Work at being more confident. It comes in time. You'll see in a year from now when you've done, say, 105 posts that you're so much better off now than you were when you started. But it doesn't feel like it when you're on the journey, in all honesty. But you just got to stick with it. When I start working with my agents on video content, almost invariably, they start off thinking that what they're filming is going to be a major 30-second spot in the Super Bowl that has to be perfectly scripted, perfectly produced, and that that's what their clients expect. But those pieces, even if you were able to get that level of perfection, those are not the ones that are building the connection with their clients. And that's really the purpose of this. You know, Most of us are fairly small businesses. We're not putting this video out out to be seen by tens of thousands of people. We're trying to make one-on-one connections with people and people know that people aren't perfect and having that authenticity helps. And I don't have the metrics to back it up, but that's what I encourage all my agents to do, to be um, imperfect and authentic when they talk to people. So I'm really happy to be hearing that from you. Oh yeah. The the more authentic that you are, the more you're willing to showcase some of your flaws or put yourself out there or some of the struggles you've had in life, people really start to support you more. People always want to be part of a come up story. So if you come your content, like you want it to be perfect right from the get go, then people don't think they need to help you. It's like the real estate agents who drive around in their fancy Mercedes and their BMWs. Your friends are going to say, Oh, well, I guess you're doing well. I'm going to give my business to my neighbor who just got started. Right. But really, you can't even afford the car that you're driving anyways. And you actually need that business. And so there's something about saying, I'm human. I'm just like you guys. Here's where I struggle in life. Like me being on camera, that was a massive struggle. And I struggle to this day, but I'm working on it. Or Jazz, who I'm sure talked at some point about his sweaty hands. Like he he used to always be nervous about his sweaty hands. And there's something that really draws you in. He likes to wear t-shirts to work. And that's how he feels comfortable. I like to get dressed up. That's how I feel comfortable. But as long as I know I'm doing it for myself and not for my viewers, I find that's what's really, really helped me build a very specific audience. That doesn't mean I'm going to have everyone fall in love with me. People might look at me and say, well, I don't really like that she speaks like that or she looks like that. And I don't like that she talked about not being perfect because I'm a perfectionist. Okay, I'm probably not going to get your business anyway. 
So that's okay. Let's kind of move on. And it allows you to pre-sort. So a lot of agents spend a lot of time on phones and in meetings trying to fake it and figure it out along with people and see if they're driving. When in reality, if they had just seen you kind of on your social media channels, they would have known not to reach out to you because you're a dog lover and they absolutely can't stand dogs. So great. We wouldn't have wasted each other's time. I do think it's important, Rory, to point out that most people, when they say I'm a perfectionist, is really just them being scared. And I know I used to be one. So that's why I can actually say this because I used to consider myself a perfectionist. I wanted everything to look a certain way, but a certain way according to my standards. And I think that's where people need to understand, like my standards are different than other people's. And what I think is good content isn't necessarily what someone else does. And so try to not grade your own work first and foremost. And also understand that if you're using the word perfectionist, try to break that down a little bit. Like why? What people will usually start to say to me is, well, you know, I want it to look good. And then I'll say, look good according to who? Well, when I put it on social media, I want people to say they like it. Okay, so you care about the judgment of other people on social media. And then they'll say, yeah, I guess so. And I say, okay, so you're fearful that they might not like it and be judging you. And that's kind of what makes them go, aha, yeah, I guess she's right. It is just it is just me being fearful. So I always, always try to stop people when they say I'm a perfectionist and say, hold on, mm-hmm. let's work on this a second. Because if you don't recognize it, you're definitely not going to be able to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, I really believe that done is better than perfect. Right. So just get it out there, get something going, show your flaws. Um, you know, we did not put on our eyelash extensions for this interview, <laughs> uh, thankfully, because you would have called us on that. You know, you mentioned something in your social media that I was watching earlier this week where if people are going to be judging you, you know, they're going to be judging everybody, right? They're going to judge every post that's out there. So they're just going to scroll past you and then judge the next one and judge the next one. So, they're just judgy people. So just move on from that. Like get yourself out there. I think people appreciate the effort. You know, none of our stuff is perfect. We've been doing this podcast, um, you know, this for quite some time now. We're, you know, approaching 80 episodes at this point. And, wow. You know, we, we, yeah, thank you. We stuck with it. You know, not everyone does, That's, but most people don't get past 10 episodes. So yeah, <laughs> Kudos well, to you. we're eight times as good, Rory. There you go. But, you know, we're just putting stuff out there. I think people appreciate the effort and they appreciate the fact that we took some time to write the show notes and put the right links in there and put some snippets out on social media. And, you know, if we're doing too much, then so be it. Like we're trying, right? Everyone is trying. And I think people appreciate the effort. And we've run into some folks that are like, oh, yeah, I've seen your podcast stuff. You know, they're not saying they love it or they hate it. They're just saying they see it. And sometimes it's all you want. You want attention, right? You want to capture, you know, a couple fleeting moments from somebody as you're looking to build up a business or build up a brand, just like you guys are doing, you know, not just with From the Ground Up Media, but, you know, Jazz himself, you know, he, he had a funny thing that he said. He's like, you know, boy, if you can't find me on, online, if you Google me and you can't find me, I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, well, good thing I Googled you and I found you very easily. Yes, he's very Googleable. I wish I had a more unique name, perhaps, than Laura Stewart, and I might be more Googleable as well. But uh, no, he puts so much effort behind personal brand, and I've helped him kind of behind the scenes. I helped him start the podcast, essentially. I took a a university class when I was doing my MBA called Me Inc. And in that class, this was in 2012. So personal brands wasn't really in spotlight like it is today. But it was talking about the importance of building yourself as your own brand and marketing yourself no matter where you go in life. You can always take your, your brand with you. And so when Jazz wanted to start this podcast, I mean, that really resonated with me. At first, we really just wanted to provide educational content to our viewers. And like you said, 
We therefore didn't need to be show hosts by any stretch of the imagination. Our database understood that we were real estate agents, not professional video host people. And so that was very, very easy for us. But then something funny happened. Eventually it got traction and it started to snowball. We started to attract real estate agents and other professionals, mortgage brokers and small business owners and things like that. And that kind of is what it morphed into today, which is a new brand new company. And so what people want always is the brand new company kind of idea first. Like I want the amazing show and I want chairs and the best lighting and the best everything, the best video cameras. But then they never get started because they wait until they can afford to buy the equipment. They wait until they can get the administrative person or the videographer to help and nothing ever happens. And then they end up not pursuing any of their dreams. And so when we first started the podcast, it was me behind the computer, like trying to figure out the audio and trust me, like you guys don't know me like that, but I should not be doing that job. That's for sure. Um, and we just kind of figured it out. Like Google, great. I Googled how to do a lot of things. YouTube, awesome. Showed me how to do some things. And once we got to that critical scale, maybe where you guys are at now, where you've done 80 episodes, it's like, okay, maybe we can outsource. Maybe you've already done that. But you should always start with the idea of doing it yourself first, even if it sucks nobody's watching you at the start anyway. So be a little bit humble. You're not Kim Kardashian where you just like start TikTok and have 50 million followers like that. Like you literally have your parents and your friends who are following you. So have a bit of humility. They don't care what you look like or what you sound like because they already know what you look like and sound like. And they want to be part of your come up journey. They want to be your biggest fans. Like people are so fascinating to me because they'll say, oh, I was listening to Jazz Takar three years ago and they feel like they found him first, like before he was anybody, you know what I mean? Or like I started listening to Gary Vee in 2017 and you're only getting into him now. Like everyone wants to be the first person along. So content allows you to let people kind of be part of that journey with you, but you can only do that if you actually get started. And so screw it, take your phone, hold it up like this, do a recording, put it out there, cringe. You're going to, you're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But I always say is post the darn thing and then close your phone and don't go back into say Instagram for like two days. Like don't even bother going back. You don't need to know what people are saying because you're scared that people are going to be ripping you apart, but they're not. Then you're going to go back in and you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then do another one and you kind of build on it like that. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Knowing that perfection is not the goal, here's kind of the wide open question. What are some, what's some good content for real estate professionals and what's some bad content for real estate professionals that's been put out there? I think bad content to me would be exclusively posting just listed, just sold. Because that content really is about you, the agent. It has no value to the viewer. So you're really just bragging, saying like, I got a listing. Oh my gosh, now in eight days I sold it. 
And then everyone's like, great. So you made X amount of dollars. That's all they're seeing, right? Like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Real estate's the easiest industry ever. That's all you're showcasing to people. But if you start showcasing some tips, some educational content without asking for anything, here's the second thing that people do that I think, in my opinion, is not great, is that they'll give the educational tip. But then at the end of that tip, they'll follow up with a If you're thinking about buying or selling, give me a call. If you need more information, give me a call. If you need something, message me. They're always asking for something at the end. And that's what people expect you to do as a real estate agent. Because whenever you've done any of your calls to your database, or whenever you've sent out an email with market stats, chances are at the end, you write something like, if you need help buying or selling, I'm here for you. Something along those lines. So they expect you to do it. So how about you do the unexpected and just not ask for anything back? How about you just give and then hopefully you'll receive in the future because you did something that was good for people and you provided value. So I think the just listed, just old, sprinkle those in, but that really should be few and far between. Ideally, if you want to make your life easy, I would do something like a webinar, a 30 minute webinar with a real estate service provider, a lawyer, mortgage broker, insurance person, home inspector, an accountant, a stager, bring those people on so that you don't need to be the expert. Instead, you sit there and have a conversation where you're asking them specific questions about what they do, and they'll be able to talk about it very easily because it's what they do every single day. You record that and you send that to your database without asking for anything to me is a great place to start because now you have a 30 minute macro piece of content and you can cut that up into little segments. So maybe there's a little clip where the mortgage broker said something about interest rates and how that's going to impact their buying ability. And you take out a minute and you post that on all the social media platforms. You know, that one recording for 30 minutes actually ended up now providing you with maybe a couple days worth of content where you don't need to think about producing your own content, like a tip video or something like that. Yeah, Jazz spoke about that also. So I'm not sure if he took it from you or or you took it from him, probably the opposite. Or you're both just in sync because, you know, you're doing this together. Well, thank goodness we're in sync. We're business partners. So if he was saying something very different, we would have a bit of a problem, I think. (laughs) No, he said the same thing. It's like, you know, take one piece of content and you could just repurpose it, you know, 20 different ways. You guys are obviously thinking about the bigger picture when you're going to record something. Tell us about how From the Ground Up Media kind of came together because were you guys doing videos just without the brand? And then you said, hey, this is something we can get a business around and maybe get some more folks, you know, as clients. Like talk about that. Yeah, it's so funny. I never ever pictured myself really as a business owner in all honesty, but certainly not a media business owner. Never did I picture that. What happened was with the podcast, it started spiraling and we started getting a lot of attention from the real estate agent community. Started with our office, we're the top producer at our office. So people are always looking to, you know, the people who are kind of at the top and seeing what we're doing, maybe they should adopt those things. So it started with the office, then it kind of grew outward. And and now it's Toronto bound, like a lot of real estate agents know of us because of the content. And they would ask to have meetings with us and we would take them gladly sit there for an hour, hour and a half at times and really give them all the information. Why would we do that? I don't know. (laughs) There was no intent behind it at the start. I think Jazz and I just had the mindset that there's more than enough business to go around. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel that by giving away some information to another real estate agent, that that meant I was going to have less business. In fact, the weirdest thing happened. It did the opposite. We suddenly got busier. We had 
more business than we'd ever have. And so we just gave without any expectation. Like I talk about on, on the content, like giving without expecting something in return. We did that with the agents. We would give them the playbook. This is how you need to start. This is who you could hire if you're at that place where you need to hire people. And then we would check in on them three months later, three, four months later and ask how the content was going. Some of them I noticed like, you didn't really post anything on Instagram, what's going on? And they would say, I didn't know where to start. I said, but I told you where to start. Yeah, but I don't know who to hire. Or yeah, but I don't have the equipment. And all these excuses, whether they're good or bad, I mean, at the end of the day, they're excuses because they can be overcome. And you know, sometimes people would ask us, well, can't I just borrow your crew? You already have people who you've hired and vetted. And you hear that enough times and you, a little light bulb goes off and you think, well, maybe there's a business here. Um, and that's what I think is so neat about the real estate industry because it is made up of entrepreneurial type people, um, some at least. <laughs> and uh, we just thought, let's give it a try. And we did what you had just talked about before. We just got started. Um, we, we, we threw it out there to a couple of agents, asked some people if they thought that they might need this type of service. And it's been going on for 16 months. It's been probably the most difficult and most fun 16 months of my life um, because I've now pushed myself outside my comfort zone. I've never led before. I've never really had a bunch of people working under me, looking to me for leadership. And so that's been, that's been a big growth on my part. Jazz less so, but now we're business partners. Before he used to kind of be able to boss me around a little bit more uh, <laughs> than he can now. So that's that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, I think just noticing something in the marketplace when people start to say things again and again, you know, people always want to come up with like the next big idea. Like what's my business idea going to be that's going to be huge and I'm going to be a millionaire. And sometimes like the answers are just right in front of you. Um, not that this is a billion dollar idea, by any stretch of the imagination, there's many media companies, but I think what makes us kind of different, which I like is that we're real estate agents helping other real estate agents. And I feel like we're leveling up, um, at least in Toronto, the real estate industry kind of one by like person by person. And that's been a lot of fun. So Laura, can you talk a little bit about some differences that you're seeing 16 months into this journey with the media company that, you know, were not in existence a year ago or how the space has even evolved this quickly? Because, you know, as we know, digital media, you know, changes all the time, whether it's an algorithm change or whether it's privacy issue that comes up or whether it's a new platform that comes out or a tweak to the way that something is presented. What are you doing differently today for yourself and for your clients as opposed to like just a year ago? We're always trying to stay on top of it. It can be very difficult. I think what makes us kind of unique is that we don't really follow the platforms exclusively. So when we first started, Instagram was where it's at. And now a lot of people, particularly real estate agents, have finally caught on to the idea of doing content. So they're doing that on real, uh, on Instagram, for example. But now TikTok's really taken over since the pandemic started. And now there's shifting attention over there. And so people have an amazing opportunity to make it in TikTok. And if you were kind of late to Instagram and you said, oh, I'm never going to get traction here. I mean, well, here's an amazing opportunity for you to kind of win that traction before the majority of real estate agents move over there. But where I think we're different is that we don't leave Instagram to go to TikTok. We didn't leave Facebook to go to Instagram. We don't not send emails to our database because the open rate has dropped 40%. We do all of it. So we're on YouTube, we're on TikTok, we're on LinkedIn. And although it becomes more and more and more and more, the thing is, is it's very important because right now 
Facebook fan pages, you're getting a lot of traction there. So Facebook was so saturated with ads and things like that before that content creators really couldn't couldn't get a lot of eyeballs. So people stopped posting there. But now I'm still posting there and suddenly those posts are getting a lot more views and a lot more engagement. And so I think the idea is to somehow figure out how you can really be omnipresent across as many channels as you possibly can, which isn't easy. I'm not saying that's an easy task. I think it's really important instead of focusing on any one area. Unless, of course, your like goal in life is like, I just want to be an influencer and I want to like win on TikTok. And so that's the only one I'm going to focus on. And you go deep that way. But again, I'm speaking to real estate agents or real estate professionals where that's not really your goal here. So let's make sure that we're hitting people across all channels and also know that the mindset of people on those channels is different. So when you get to work Monday morning and you log into LinkedIn, your mindset's very different than it was the night before when you were scrolling your phone in bed looking at TikTok. And so you need to try, if you can, to produce content that's specific to each platform. At the start though, guys, if you're listening, you're like, that sounds super overwhelming. Just do the webinar 30 minutes and chop that up and post those pieces everywhere. Yeah. Don't make it hard on yourself. Make sure you you figure that hack out <clears throat> first and then you kind of expand and grow on it. Right, I thought you had something right there. So I'll just jump in because I, I have a follow-up question to that actually. You know, TikTok has certainly taken over in the past couple of years and I can see how people can get overwhelmed by, you know, yet another platform, right? It just goes, you know, it's one after another after another. Where do you start if you are someone that's not a digital native? I know you mentioned that you had, what was the class in, college, in uh, your MBA program or your? Oh, it was a Meet Inc. It was called. Right. Okay. So, so Meet Inc. So imagine somebody, yeah, I went to college in the 90s, right? You know, Rory went to college in the 2000s. Like forget about personal branding. Like the internet barely existed like when I was there. So like, you know, we have to force ourselves. I had to force myself to learn this stuff. You know, Rory's a little bit more native and you're, you know, definitely a digital native. You know, if you're working with an age who has an established career or maybe a second career and they're later in life, in their 40s, 50s, whatever, and this doesn't come natural to them, where do you think they should start? We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. I have to tell you, it doesn't come, I wouldn't say natural to me either, but I understand that, you know, if you weren't born with a phone in your hand, which I wasn't, but, um, you know, maybe my late teens, we got like MSN and that was kind of a cool thing. But yeah, if that was, if that happened when you were already well into your thirties, you know, I understand the difficulty here and how fast everything is moving. I think it's important to know what your goals are. So just because I'm sitting here telling, preaching, do content, more is more, more is more, that doesn't mean that's right for you where you are in your life. I'm, I'm talking exclusively to people who want to continue to build. They want to grow. If you're an established agent and you like working your database and you're kind of good with that and you only see yourself doing this, say, for five more years, that's probably going to be good enough. But if you say, oh, I'm planning on doing this for another 15 years, then I would caution you that if you're not speaking to your community online on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I am. And so you have to understand the risks involved in doing that. To get started, if you know, YouTubing, how to, how to open a TikTok account is to, also too difficult for you. Maybe you have a niece 
or a nephew, or you already have an admin person who's younger, who's able to help kind of fill in those gaps for you and help support you in that way. But I don't think this is like a one size fits all for everybody. I think having some presence online is better than none. And I think having a lot is better than some. And you kind of have to find out on the continuum where you're at and then seek help wherever you can. Like I can't edit a video to save my life. So even if I was brand new, like it really doesn't matter. I could Google how to do it, but it would still take too long. I would get frustrated and upset. Before I know it, I've spent an entire day coming up with one piece of content. That's not really a good use of my time. So at some point you have to part ways with a little bit of money perhaps and, uh, and outsource it. And uh, if you're an established agent, then you should have a, a couple extra dollars in your pocket anyway. <laughs> when I work with some of the agents who are you know, generationally not digital natives, the first thing I want to do before I jump into the technical is just make them realize that a lot of what people are doing online is the things that they're doing already. So it's not an entirely different world. The questions that they answer repeatedly for clients, the way that they talk to people, they're already doing this. They already have that expertise. And it's just a matter of now of putting a phone in front of their face and setting it up on some social platform. And I like what you said there. You can kind of start off with a couple platforms that are a little bit more intuitive. They might know a little bit better. They don't necessarily have to, on day one, embrace five different platforms and have everything up on there. But they can just start by at least realizing before we get into any of the technical aspects of it that they're already doing a lot of this work anyway. And we can just repurpose what they're doing and just deliver it on these channels. Yeah, there's no need to overwhelm yourselves. Like, let's just pick one channel and let's try to get out one post. That's all I say. I was like, mm -hmm. it starts with one post. And don't think about your 60th post. Let's get one post done and see how it goes. Right. And I think a great place to start because people ask me often, well, where do you get all the content ideas? And as you said, you already know the content. You're having these conversations with people anyway. So perhaps you got an email last night. I'll say, bring up your email and they'll bring it up and they'll say, well, I have a client who asked me about closing costs on the home that they, that they're in conditional period for. I say, great. And how did you answer it? And then they show me the email. I'm like, that's, that's your tip that you're going to do today. These are the closing costs that you need to know if you're buying a home in XYZ state or province. It's all right there. If you're at a listing appointment, someone asks you a question about how you came to, to the listing price, that's the, that you're gonna do a video on that. And so you just have to be mindful. Like your eyes just have to be open, your ears have to be open about what's going around you and answer those questions. You don't need to overthink this. This isn't rocket science. Like we are all real estate agents. <laughs> like We know how we got here. We know how much, or lack of schooling we did to get here. So let's not overthink it. Let's just get get a couple posts done. Yeah. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I think is easy but hard for people to do. You just gave an amazing tip right there. Like they, somebody answered a question in an email and they probably answered it well. You said create a piece of content about that. Like, you know, we don't do enough of that stuff. I think most people don't do enough, enough of that stuff. Uh, all the blog content, you know, that we're writing, that other people are writing, those could easily be short snippets of video as well. You could answer these questions right on camera, give the three or four bullet points that you have in a written format. I just think back to past jobs. Like, you know, my past life was working in uh, the media in various capacities, on air, consulting, sales management. And I think about all the things that I did day to day and you know, I never captured that on video for an audience of people because that kind of wasn't a thing. And I was like, well, who the heck wants to like see what a sales manager does all day long? But 
maybe there's people out there that want to do that. I could have very well done that saying like, hey, I'm about to go meet with these account executives and go over their prospect list right here. And, you know, think about a couple ideas comparing their numbers to last year as to how they can grow their book of business. Like, you know, here's what I look at, you know, boom, 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 point, point, point. And then things pop up on the screen. That could have been like my video. You could do this in any job in the world, right? It, it's so funny. You said people might not want to view it. Like you didn't think they'd think it was interesting, but like no one thought that anyone would ever want to see a picture of the food I ate for dinner. And yet every time I go to a restaurant, I take a picture of the food I ate for dinner. People are interested. And particularly if people are looking for your service at that given time, they're extremely interested. So I say, try to think about how you can educate people, particularly in the time that they're looking to buy or sell or whatever it is that you're, uh, your businesses. Mm. And then in the meantime, or the interim, how else are you entertaining them? So try to showcase a little bit of yourself. Don't just put in the profile that you like dogs. Show me your dog. That's how you're going to really humanize yourselves. And then, so that content really should come easily because you're really just documenting your life. You're not creating anything. You're just documenting what you're doing with your kids on the weekend, or you're showcasing that you ran a marathon and all those things should come a little bit more naturally. And what you'll find is by practicing that stuff, that feels maybe a little bit more authentic or you don't feel like you have imposter syndrome because you, you might not be educated or experienced enough to talk about it. Showcase that stuff first. It gets you used to being in front of the camera and then kind of work your way into, into your industry. And also know in terms of imposter syndrome, guys, you don't have to go online and lie and say you've been doing something for 10 years. You can say, I'm a brand new agent and I was sitting in a meeting today, my mentor, and he answered the question about XYZ. So you can bring in these stories where people understand that you're not necessarily the expert, but they really like being again along the ride, along the journey with you. So again, you don't have to lie. You don't have to say that you know things that you don't. I think another opportunity for you with the content is to say, I got an email from a client yesterday and she asked, yada, yada, yada. The key there is that I told people I was in real estate without actually bragging about my clients. So instead of me doing the just listed or just sold, I'm telling you I'm active in real estate. I'm telling you I'm actively working with people without me outright bragging about it. You're just including it in storytelling. And if you can get good at storytelling, then content's going to be very, very easy for you. Yeah, I want to underline that point. I mean, like everything is storytelling. It's being honest too, but selling <laughs> is storytelling. You know, another thing to think about is every industry that you know, you're in, who, if you're listening to this podcast and, you, and you're a teacher, right? Or you're an accountant or you're in real estate or you're an astronaut, whatever it is, you're probably following lots of accounts and people that are in your industry. So it might seem overwhelming that everything you see is just that industry. I mean, the real estate world, the law world, a lot of what we see on social media is, you know, stuff that's in the market already. So you might get overwhelmed and say, well, geez, people are already doing this, or I already saw a story about this. But keep in mind that a lot of your customers are not following only education accounts, only real estate accounts, only astronaut accounts, right? You are one of the many, many, many types of accounts they're following. So you might be their expert on their feed for that subject. Whereas on your feed, everybody's talking about the same thing. So it's important to remember that kind of context because sometimes I even get stuck where I just feel like I'm seeing the same thing everywhere. And that means that everybody is already doing it, but it's really here. I'm going to give you an example. Okay. 
we're doing more with short-term rentals right now. Okay. We have a couple short-term rentals. We're going to scale this thing up. I see a ton of content about this now because that's what I'm engaging with. And I feel like all I see is short-term rental content, but I went to a meetup last week. The speaker was all about short-term rentals. There's a room of 40 something people, all real estate investors. He said, how many people here are short-term rentals? 10% of the people raised their hand. Okay. 90% did not. That means that they're not overwhelmed with that same content that I'm overwhelmed with because all I do is I see that kind of content. So think about that if you're listening to this and you don't want to take that step about producing content. It's not like you're just going to be the 500 millionth person doing the same thing. Like you're going to do it in your own way and you're going to put your own. That's just it, Jason. Like you have to do it in your own way. Where I made my mistake at the start was I tried to do my content like jazz. And I tried to bring the same type of energy or explain things the same way that he does. And now like, yeah, we might be on similar pages with some things, but I'm saying it differently. And also no, people need to hear things like three, four or five times before they ever actually do anything. So it's okay that other people are educating. You're going to educate your way. You're going to entertain people online your way. And some will like you and some won't. And that's, you got to just let that go. You can't worry about what other people are doing. Forget about three, four or five. Uh, I was told by an old sales manager, it's 10 times. Like when I used to work with salespeople and I would try to roll new projects and new, new products out and you know, you'd roll something out, you roll a process out and then like you follow up a couple weeks later and no one's done anything with it. You're like, well, I just told you last week, like, what's the deal? He's like, you have to tell salespeople something 10 times for them to hear it. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's like selling to people. Like, you know, you send that 10th email and you probably get the appointment because people stopped at nine or they stopped at one. Yeah. You can't stop in this business. I mean, and, and most real estate agents should know that because how many follow-up phone calls have they made? How many flyers have they sent out to a, a farming neighborhood? You're right. The people who quit are like probably just two, three, four more touches away from actually getting something out of it. And so having patience is probably the most important thing, the yeah. biggest key in all of this. So much great advice here. I mean, like I just hear sound bites left and right from this podcast. So I really appreciate everything that you've like brought to us, you know, Laura, it's just amazing. We could probably go on forever about, uh, you know, authenticity and social media presence and just coming up with great ideas to formulate, you know, a just good reputable reputation online. Um, so does that mean you're going to slice and dice this up and make clips yes. for social media? See? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, we, it's we not do, that hard, guys. <laughs> we do snippets, we do quote cards, we transcribe the whole thing, we do blog posts about it. Like, yeah, there's a whole cadence. And we learn that from pe- talking to people like yourself and listening to some other great practices with podcasts where you realize that you're not just putting out one piece of content, you're producing one piece of content and making you know, 20 things out of it. I think Jazz last week when we were recording, I think he was recording too. So part of me feels like we're yes. going to appear on your account. Yes, here. we are being recorded. Up. I have my own little mic here. So we do the <laughs> same thing for me. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting guys. Like I really appreciate you having me on because some might think, well, you had my business partner on. What possibly could we talk that's different? But you'd be surprised. First and foremost, Jazz has a very different upbringing than I do. His education is very different than mine is. And his experience with real estate is very different than mine is as well. On the real estate side, he's the owner and he has been doing it for 17 years. On the real estate side, I'm the VP and I've only been doing it for eight years. So where we're at in our business journey is very, very different. And I I think it's so important to try to get on other people's podcasts, like doing this, like you guys should reach out to other people and try and get on their podcast as well, because 
this allows you to formulate your sentences and get your ideas prepared for when you want to actually go on camera. It's actually really, really good practice to have someone just ask you questions, you answer them online because then you don't feel like you have to be scripted, right? It's just a conversation. That's all we did today. And so that's another opportunity. I'll just throw one more tidbit in there. Another opportunity for people, if you don't want to start your own podcast or webinar show, maybe reach out to some other industry professionals and try to get on their show. They work in your area. Um, that can be a great way to to really open up your network. Did Jazz tell you that we're starting podcast together, Tequila in Toronto? He didn't tell you that. Uh-huh. You? <laughs> oh God, not Tequila. Do, yeah, I get to I be part, do I get to be part of the podcast? Absolutely. He invited us I, up there. He talked about drinking. tequila. Yes. He talked about tequila. I said, well, we should do a podcast tequila in Toronto. So when we come visit, we'll, uh, we'll have the first episode. We'll record oh, a couple of I love that. Time. That's yeah. amazing. Love that. <laughs> well, Rory, um, why don't we, do you have any um, final thoughts before we get to the final questions for Laura? I took a note here and it's breaking the topic a little bit, but you said that when you started off in real estate, you wanted to join a team um, instead of working by yourself. Why was that? I can kind of see the journey that led you on, but why did you want to be on a team to start with? Yeah, it's so funny. I guess that was just a little bit of self-awareness. Like growing up, I always liked to surround myself with a lot of people. I'd just come off of doing my MBA where everything really was teamwork and collaboration And the idea of kind of being a solo agent, I just knew myself, like I wasn't going to be inspired enough to get out of bed every morning and whip myself into shape and make the phone calls and send the emails and do everything that I needed to do. So my theory at the time was that if I joined a team, they would probably help cut my learning time in half. I knew I would be dealing with people's largest asset and that scared the crap out of me in all honesty. Like the idea that someone would put their house in my hands and I would have to sell it for top dollar just made me a little bit fearful. I didn't know if I was prepared as a salesperson to do that. And so I thought, well, let me just get the mentorship from somebody else. And I had no intentions of saying, I had no intentions of joining Jazz's team in the first place, but I certainly had no intentions of saying, I really thought I'll eventually grow out my own team. But it's kind of funny. I've been so immersed in this team and part of the growth of this team. I mean, it feels like my own and I could never now imagine leaving it. Like it just wouldn't make any sense to me. So you really become like a family with people and and real estate can be lonely. I know everyone thinks we're like out socializing all the time. It's actually a pretty lonely, a pretty lonely job at times. And uh, it can also be not just lonely, but difficult when you're hearing no's all day and you need other people around you to help lift you up when you feel down. So our office here, we have eight, nine people here every single day. When I'm in a bad mood, chances are they're not. When one of them's in a bad mood, I'm not. We can kind of help lift each other up. And that's been that's been great for me. But that's what works for me. Like I said, self-awareness first. Yeah. That's great advice. Uh, I think that a lot of people also feel the same way. I mean, like we are humans and we connect with each other. That's that's why the pandemic was so tough on a lot of people and why mental health became such a priority uh, to you know make sure that people are doing okay. People want to socialize. It's one of the reasons why people want to go back to the office. Like, you know, these poor graduates from college right now that graduated into a pandemic where they just work from their bedroom at their parents' house and they, their colleagues were in Zoom boxes. It was, you know, that's a tough way to start your career. I couldn't imagine, quite honestly here, real estate was a, an essential service. So we were, I mean, I could have come to the office, but at the start, like no one knew what was going on. <laughs> and, uh, but after I think it was like 10, 11 weeks, I was like, I'm out of here, hubby. I'm going back to the office. <laughs> I need to see another face other than yours. And so I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. But yeah, I think people have had a hard time. 
I'm surprised, quite honestly, by the amount of people who say they love working at home. That's not me at all. But it's interesting. I think the pandemic has allowed for certain jobs and positions to do from home. But to me, it's all about the culture at work. It's all about us working together, having wins together and losses together and uh, having some meals and some tequila together. That never hurt anyone either. <laughs> never does. Well, why don't we get to our final couple of questions that we ask all of our guests uh, here on the podcast. And we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and how you'd answer these. And then we'll uh, let you tell everyone how they can get a hold of you. The first question we have for you is if you can get on stage for 30 minutes and talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? My dog, probably. <laughs> I am a very proud fur mom, fur baby mom. What do you call those people? I have a fur baby, I guess. I mean, I just know I could talk for an hour without having to think very hard about it. He lights up my life. He makes me laugh. And I feel very, very lucky to have him in my life. So I'm not sure how exciting that would be for the audience. But for me, it would be the time of my life. <laughs> we lost our dog a couple of years ago, but you know, we are dog people. Uh, she was a great, great companion for boy, almost 14 years with us. And what she, kind of dog was it? Was she? She was a Lab Vista mix. I'll show you. Oh, that's a good mix. Oh, that's Rosie. Oh, yeah. I have, okay, all right. Hold on, you know, guys. We have a three-year-old that I still have Rosie on my phone. <laughs> what yeah, does that say? You know, my, all my, well, I shouldn't say this, but a lot of my passwords are still like my dog from my childhood. There's mine, <laughs> Rudy. There's my baby. So yeah. I, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Dogs are amazing. Uh, we could probably go on a lot longer than a half hour about that, right? <laughs> uh, second question we have for you. Tell us something happened early in your career that impacts the way that you're working today. So when I first started, so I went to school for nutrition and I got my degree after four years and I thought, I don't even want to work in this field. I don't even think I'd be able to get a job in this field because my grades weren't all that great. Like they were good, but not nothing stellar. And it's a very competitive industry to work at a hospital in, here in Toronto. And I dabbled in the fashion industry for a bit. So I went back to school and I got a retail buying certificate and I was now interning at one of Canada's or Canada's leading luxury department stores called Holt Renfrew. I was interning at their head office. And this is now 2008, I start my internship. So 2009 was when the one year contract would end. And the idea was that I would get a job there. And I worked my butt off. I worked so hard at that place. I was like the first one in the last one out. They actually had mm -hmm. to tell me to stop coming in at those hours because they felt bad, I guess, for everybody else. So I was just working too hard. And unfortunately, 2008, I mean, we all know what happened. And guess what's the first thing that people stop spending money on? A lot of luxury goods. And so at the end of it, the company had a hiring freeze and they couldn't hire anyone on. And I remember I was like devastated for a day because I'd put everything into that job. But I also moved on very, very quickly. And I found another job within like two, two to three weeks. Of course, then the hiring freeze came off. Then they asked me to come back. And I said, Nope, I already, I already left. And I'm very proud of myself for not going back because everything since then led me to where I am today. And so, you know, sometimes in the moment, things don't seem like good things are happening to you. And you think you've worked hard for something and life is just working against you somehow. But oftentimes, those are actually moments of severe growth and opportunity. And mostly they're moments that you're going to look back on so fondly because you'll remember when you were down at the bottom and you felt like it couldn't get much worse and the rent check still needed to be paid and you didn't have a job. And 
that was a very stressful time, but uh, I feel like I persevered and came out the other side. Yeah. Those years we've heard frequently on this podcast with a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs, people that had a big you know, change, like Corey graduated law school into that same economy. Lots of people lost their jobs during those years, you know, so what do you do? You pivot. We're kind of in that right now a little bit. Like there's, you know, some uncertainty with the economy. Uh, and I'm sure when this comes out, it'll still be uncertainty, even though inflation has started to tick down a little bit here in the U.S. Uh, but there's been layoffs. There have been jobs rescinded. You know, it's all over the media. The tech industry is kind of contracting a little bit. So what do you do? You know, you kind of pivot and you figure out a different direction. And sometimes that direction leads you to a path like you're in right now, Laura. Yeah, it's funny because of what's happening now. And I think because of my experience in the past, I didn't get as scared or nervous this time around. Like I've been through this before. And that's the great thing that age and experience teaches you that like these things happen and you kind of just got to get through it and, and figure out a way how to what we call create your own economy. And that's the one plus side about being an entrepreneur, owning your own business is that you can work yourself through it. You know, obviously as an employee, you get left let off. That's different. And now you have to pivot, figure out maybe another career path for yourself. But as a business owner, I'm able to just make more phone calls, send more emails, get more creative, start a podcast. Like if people aren't busy right now, if you're a real estate agent, you're not busy. How about let's start creating some content then today? Because I know when you were busy, that was your excuse then. So how about now you don't have that excuse and you actually take action. And so that's what's exciting about what we do because we can always just choose to work a little bit harder, work a little bit differently. And that usually helps us kind of get through that, that lull. Yeah. I saw you talk about that on your social media. I think it was about the summertime. If there was a lull, you know, you should, uh, you know, start with some content creation. And guess what? Like, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of us didn't know what was going to happen. No, Rory and I, we talked a lot, you know, what happened two years ago? Rory's like, oh my God, it's all ending, you know, and all our short-term rentals, all the bookings ended, right? But what did we do? We, you know, we regrouped, right? We doubled down. Yeah, we regrouped, we kept going. The like every transaction I had on the books, you know, came fell out of the pipeline. And it was, you know, the for about a month it was really terrifying. But then everything came back. It was an opportunity for those who wanted to persist to double down. I remember, you know, taking the extra time and going to webinars, learning new things. That's kind of the the hook that I did during that time. I probably didn't produce as much content as I should have, but I took the time, that opportunity to get the learning out of the way. All those things that were on the back burner, we did. Mm -hmm. And it was still terrifying, but we got through it. Yeah, just don't quit, right? You got to just get up, find meaning, look for something new to do. Go down the education route. Like people listening to this podcast today, kudos mm -hmm. to you because you're doing something to help better yourself. Now the next piece of that puzzle is actually executing on it. And I don't mean like going from zero to hundred, just do something small today that you didn't do yesterday and then build on that every single day after that. Yeah. Final question. That's great advice, by the way. Uh, our final question before we wrap up is tell us something that you're listening to or watching or reading these days. I'm actually reading. It's funny you, you said that because it's right here behind me. I'm reading this book, Deep Work mm. by Cal Newport. Have you guys read this one? Nope. nope. I probably read 10 books a year. I, I read the same book again and again, Atomic Habits. I read that one at the start of every year. This one's interesting because this is essentially telling us to like get off our phones and be more present and focused on our work. And then we wouldn't have to work as long hours because the work that we're doing is better, which is very difficult for me because I'm always on my phone. I have a social media company. 
<laughs> so I'm on my phone a lot. I'm on my computer a lot. And so this is kind of eye-opening to me. I have yet to take any real action using it yet, but I'm only, you know, about halfway, halfway through the, the book. And it, you know, it, it does give some valuable lessons of using other people's stories and what they've done with the time. Like, I guess, you know, when you think, who is it? Um, Bill Gates even used to like go to his cottage or something and like check out for like two weeks in the year. So strategies like that, not that I have that kind of time, I don't think, but anyways, we'll see what I do with this. Maybe nothing. I think like I was saying earlier, like always take the, the opportunity to continue your education and to open your mind. I read it with a lot of curiosity as opposed to being closed-minded about it. I think, well, what if? And maybe that's possible. That's what I'm reading these days. Deep work. Like how Deep work. Yeah. Mm. We'll check that out. Uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Also, uh, Atomic Habits, which I, Rory, have you done that one yet or no? Nope, that's been recommended a couple of times. So that's yeah. it's going on the queue. That's the one, I feel. Mm. Who, who is it? James Clear who wrote that one? James, that's the book. Mm. And I actually have a habit tracker on my phone because of that book. And I track mm. the smallest little things like exercise, not how long I exercise, just that I exercise. So whether it's mm. a 10 minute stretch, a five minute ab workout or a 45 minute run, exercise is exercise. It's just about getting in that every single day. So that one I totally bought into. I think that's, that's why I read it again and again and again. Because as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you need to hear things. Four, five, six, but now you say 10 times. So there you go. Absolutely. (laughs) Laura, this has been an excellent discussion about lots of different things. I wasn't exactly sure that we would go into, you know, some of these improvement topics toward the end, but I'm really glad that we did because it's all tied together. I mean, like your journey took you through a rough economy into a real estate team, into a world where you're actually working as a media producer and content creator, Mm -hmm. you know, with with, one of the biggest influencers in the whole country, you know, so you certainly have your hands full uh, with all of those endeavors, but we wanted to really thank you for being on the podcast. You know, this has been um, you know, our pleasure to host you here. And, you know, we, we would love to continue the conversation at another time in the future because, you know, this space is changing rapidly and you guys are doing some great stuff. So, you know, we appreciate Well, definitely. It. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope you guys take us up on that tequila podcast. If you ever mm-hmm. find yourself in Toronto, that sounds like an awesome time with you guys. <laughs> You're going to have to be the executive producer for that podcast. Yep. Now we've, we've met <laughs> nope. the brains behind the prawn. Right? No, nope. that's true. I, yeah, I yeah. say I'm the brains. He's the beauty, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Laura, tell us where people can reach out to you or learn more about some of your endeavors if they'd like to stalk you online or you know take some of your advice. Yeah, I, I would say probably I do most of my content on TikTok and Instagram. Although, like I said, I'm on all platforms and you can pretty much just search the same name, Laura Stewart. T-O for Toronto on, on any platform you on, you'll probably find me. Um, and I would love just to, you know, get your listeners ideas and thoughts about all of this because they're really my, you know, my surveys They're They help me understand if I'm doing things right. Or if we're on to something, I love the feedback, good and bad. If it's bad, I might cry for a day, but it's okay. It helps. <laughs> it, it, it helps in the future. I can take it. And uh, I would, I, yeah, I would love to start those conversations. So any social media platform. Awesome. So go check out Laura's stuff, Laura Stewart, T.O. on all the platforms. Check out 
From the Ground Media, which is ftgumedia.com. We will put that in the show notes as well. Uh, you'll see some excellent blog content, some of the podcasts you're producing. You are, you're on YouTube as well, so we'll link that up as well. Uh, so you can see some of the great productions that you've done. It's a cool demo reel. I know you have some great clients that are you're doing some great work for. So uh, go watch their stuff. Uh, go learn a lot and reach out to them. Uh, Rory, where can people reach out to you? You can find me through my real estate brokerage, Next Homes Heddletown. That's nexthomesheddletown.com or my law practice, Urban Village Legal, urbanvillagelegal.com. Awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much for appearing. Rory, thank you for being part of the podcast as well as our co-host. Thank you for listening. If you've stuck with us for the entire episode, we really appreciate it. And hopefully that means you'll give us a thumbs up or a big five-star rating afterward. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, you can reach me. Jason at nexthometitletown.com. I'm happy to take comments, book you as a guest, uh, or forward your information on to whoever needs to see it. And that's it. Laura, thank you. This has been great. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And thank you, Rory. And thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures. And law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.